Welcome to Making Lemonade. I'm Wit. And I'm Kels. And we started this podcast to bring connection and support to this community. We know that every single person goes through tough situations in life. And we wanted to help share stories of those situations to help others not feel so alone. We are not therapists or doctors. Our opinions are our own. The opinions expressed by the guests on each episode is their own and doesn't necessarily share our same views. You can find information and resources shared by each guest in the episode notes or on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening. Today's guest is Ashley, and Ashley tells us her story. Well, it's her story and her son, Colton, getting diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Yeah, and she did such a great job and tells us all about Colton and his dog, Runner. Um, And Colton was the Talkie Foundation Person of the Year for 2021. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how we found Ashley's story, because we talked to Charlie yeah. from yeah who owns right mm-hmm. owns, yeah the Talkie Foundation of Talkie Foundation and yeah he gave us a couple people to interview and Ashley and Colton are one of them so it's kind of I don't know it's neat that they yeah. do this and that Colton is um person of the year so mm-hmm. yep yeah. and we really enjoyed just hearing her story about his diagnosis and how she didn't want to accept it mm-hmm. and said nope fix it and, you know, their story of getting their dog. And yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode. Hi, Ashley. We're excited to have you on our podcast today. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? We're good. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where your story begins? Uh, my story began on March 31st, 2017. Um, my, I have three kids and my middle son who was 11 at the time, just kept looking really skinny to me. And just, he's always been my, not overweight, not just thicker, muscly looking um, than my oldest son. And so, but he just started looking really thin and he was just real sleepy a lot and looked like he had ran a marathon all the time. And my older son had already gone through hormones and all that. So I thought, oh, great, here we go again. But it was just a little more than what my oldest was going through. So I made an appointment with our pediatrician, whom I love, um, for him to tell him to eat. Because I just thought he wasn't eating because he had made some comments that some kids had made uh, comments about him being fat and stuff like that. So I just took him to our pediatrician for him to tell him to eat. And uh, so we get there. Well, I, the night before, I texted my cousin, who's a nurse, and she's, I told her what was going on. And she told me that it sounded like diabetes. And I'm thinking, how could you say that about your cousin? How could you do that? That is so not nice. Because I didn't have a clue. So we get to the doctor's office. Well, before that, we left a beta convention <laughs> And we had a little time to kill. So I said, let's go get some lunch and then we'll go to the doctor's office. Well, we could not find anywhere to just run through the drive-thru to find food. So we saw Krispy Kreme donut shop. So the kids had never been inside to watch them make donuts. So I said, let's go inside and eat. 
And because I thought he wasn't eating, after he ate his normal do- normal glazed donut, I told him, I said, here, you have to eat this cream-filled chocolate glazed donut. You've got to gain your weight back. So I'm stuffing donuts down his throat, not having a clue what we're fixing to learn. Um, we get to the doctor's office, and um, our pediatrician comes back in, and, and I told him, I said, you want to know what, my, what Michelle said? Because... She goes to the same pediatrician's office also. And I told him, and he's like, Ashley, it is. It's type 1 diabetes. And I said, okay, well, just just let me know. This is a Friday evening. I said, just let me know. We don't have anything Monday. Um, let me know what we're supposed to do, and, and we'll go do it. And he's like, no, you're going to Children's Hospital right now. I was like, oh, so they'll just fix him? And we'll go home. He's like, no, Ashley, you're going to be there for four days. I was like, okay, but he'll be fixed and we'll go home. And I think I went into shock. I had all three of the kids with me. My oldest at the time was uh, almost 15, I think. So (laughs) I was like, He'll, you'll just fix him. We'll fix him and we'll go home. So we get the kid. I get the kids. I call my husband to meet me there, which... It took forever for him to get there. We get to the hospital. We already have a room number before we even leave the doctor's office. We get there. We get him checked in. um, And we walk into the hospital room. And I keep hearing the nurses and the doctors going, we never have anybody walking in on this floor with his levels over and over. And I'm finally like, what are y'all talking about? What's wrong with him? What should he not be doing? They said, normally with an A1C, at 13.8 and blood sugar levels at almost 700, they are in DKA or flight lighted or ambulance ridden here and they're unconscious. And I looked at him and I said, well, God's walking, walking him in here. So stop, just stop with the, the negative um, because I was so confused. I didn't know what was going on. Um, they said, normally, they're in IVs and unconscious and on another floor, but he's walking in here. So they get him in the hospital bed and the nurse goes, see, everything's okay. I'm a diabetic. I've got a pump. Then the doctor comes in. I'm okay. Everything. I've got a pump. I'm diabetic. And I looked at her and I said, wait, is everybody on this floor diabetic? She says, yes. I said, I, I don't want to be on this floor. I don't want to be around y'all. He's fine. Y'all are going to get him fixed and we're going to go home. And they're like, well, it's going to be a little bit more than that. And I just kept saying that over and over. I think I was going into shock. My oldest son's like, mom, it's okay. Just let them do their thing. Well, then they start throwing carbs and ratios and correction factors and all these numbers to to me. And I just shut down. because I, Math and I, we don't get along very well. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's got a freaking disease that I'm going to do math for for the rest of his life. I might as well have just killed him now. I'm like, is there any other way? Please don't make me do math. I mean, it is a long equation. And you have to do this equation every single time you put something in his mouth to eat um, to know how much insulin he gets until he got his pump. So my husband finally gets there and he's being very good, taking help and take care of me, <laughs> trying to figure out what in the world's going on. Um, while you're at the hospital here in Alabama, you have to, you stay for about four days and you have to take um, 
diabetes education classes. That's one of the requirements while you're there. I didn't know what in the world we're doing. We have no family history whatsoever of this. So I'm just like, I don't want to take these classes. And the more math they keep throwing at me, the more I'm like, oh, my God, I should have paid attention a little more in high school in every class for math. Um, All I'm thinking of is because it's the weekend before Easter. He's never going to get to have Easter candy again. He's never going to get to have a birthday cake again. Oh, my gosh, this is horrible. So I cried the whole time at the hospital. I cried so much that the doctor comes in and asks me how my home life is. And I'm like, my home life was just fine until a couple hours ago, (laughs) until this disease entered it. I said, but we'll be fine. We'll get through it. Um, We come home. Uh, Well, while we're there at the hospital, they tell us to go ahead and call our insurance company to see how much insulin will be and such at at the pharmacy. Well, we called the insurance and our wonderful insurance company tells us that because insulin is not a generic drug, they will not cover it, that we will have to pay out of pocket ourselves. They will not cover not one dime. Like what? But that's the only way it comes. They said, that's too bad. That's not the plan we picked. I was like, I didn't pick a plan like that. Um, can I change it? And we're told no. So I called the pharmacy and I'm, we asked them how much his 24 hour shot of Lantus would be. And then his uh, Humalog or Novolog fast acting insulin will be just the insulin, not the test strips, not the meter, not anything else that goes with it except the insulin itself would be around $1,800 a month without insurance. That's more than our house. Um, So then I flip out all over again, crying, thinking, oh, my gosh, how will we afford to keep him alive? This is ridiculous. Um, So the, I don't know if you'd call her the, hospital social worker or some form of social worker came in of course I kept telling him we don't need a social worker um he's not abused because here in Alabama if you hear the word social worker you think they're coming to take a child away they're like no that's not what it is so they talked to us about um putting him on a different type of insurance since our insurance wouldn't cover him and we're very thankful that we were able to put him on that because if not, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what people do. It's ridiculous um, how much stuff like that costs. It's, it's that's a whole nother subject. But so we get him on that. We get home. We, um, my husband goes and buys some groceries. And when you're a diabetic you have what's called free foods, which means you don't have to carb for. And some of that is cheese, um, meat, bacon, stuff like that. He bought, I don't know how much bacon. We had so much bacon that the kids were even like, we are tired of bacon, which is very rare thing to hear down here in the South. They're like, we don't want any more bacon. We don't want any more meat. I'm like, I'm kind of tired of it myself. Um, my, I have an older and younger who they were upset because their life had been changed. Um, things were not normal anymore for them. They didn't know how to act or if they could eat things in front of Colton. And I asked them, I said, if y'all will just 
please just bear with us a few days till we figure things out. We'll get back to not our normal life, but we'll get back on a routine and we, it, it'll, it'll be better. So they were patient. I'm very thankful that they were as patient as they were. My youngest, I think was seven or eight when he was diagnosed. Um, she didn't really understand anything that was going on. She just knew that we couldn't have candy and or ice cream. That's what she thought, but that's not true. Diabetics can have anything they want to eat as long as they carb for it, for um, insulin. Um, we noticed one thing about Colton was when he would go low, he wouldn't feel it. He couldn't tell it that he was at 20 um, when a lot of people have already passed out by then. And Colton is also very, very hard to wake up. Very, very hard to wake up. And I thought, this is not going to work. We need help. And so we started looking into um, diabetic alert dogs. And then when we realized that they're over $30,000, we were like, nope, won't be doing that. Um, but we had, we had kept looking around at stuff and what were we going to do this this is just not gonna this is not gonna work because Colton's not waking up he's not feeling his lows and um, for Colton for him to have to sit inside of a house is torture he wants to be outside back then on his dirt bike in the woods playing football anything that had to do with outside and activity for him to have to sit that was just torture so because he's so active it's hard to keep his levels to know the adjustments because diabetes does not like to play fair. Um, he can do the same activity, eat the same food day after day, and he'll have a different result every time. Um, so Colton would be on the trampoline with his siblings and have no idea that his blood sugar level was going down, dropping to 19 until he stops. So, we were at church one Sunday and some friends of ours brought us a, um, a check for $500. And um, we just all burst into tears because they didn't know at the time that the company that we were looking at Tattletales scent dogs, which is in Utah, um, their deposit was $500. And so we were like, Oh my gosh, here we go. So we, prayed about it and we figured this is exactly this is what God wants because this is the you know the exact amount that we need and the thing with tattletales is they start out with puppies but they come home knowing their job so our church set up fundraisers um food I don't whatever bake-off fundraisers and such we had car washes and raised the amount of money that we needed to get a service dog for right and, and um it was one year after colton was diagnosed about six to eight six seven weeks later my dad died which was a whole nother world of shock and just too much at the time with colton and then this so we kind of look at it as runner was a gift for my dad because one year to the day we found out that we were getting runner. 
So it was kind of a blessing because I didn't focus on that all day because we were headed to Utah to get this amazing life-saving dog um, that Colton named (laughs) Royal Whiskey Runner. (laughs) Yeah. Y'all do know we're from the South, right? (laughs) I love it. Well, my dad, his cologne was called Royal Copenhagen. So that's where he gets Royal. And whiskey is his first dog. So that's where whiskey came from. We don't have a clue where a runner came from. (laughs) So we get this amazing little puppy. We're there within 30 minutes and he's already alerting that there's a problem with Colton. He's too low. We just burst into tears. Um, So we come home and we have training for a whole year with them. Um, And I don't know how old Runner was. He wasn't very old, but um, Colton came in. They came inside. I was like, I thought y'all were outside. He's like, well, Runner kept jumping up here on the trampoline and biting me. And he he said, I I thought maybe it was because he was a puppy. He said, but once I sat down, I didn't feel so good. So we checked his levels, and he was 18. Oh, my goodness. Well, to say, Mom, I, I wouldn't have stopped. I would have kept jumping. I said, baby, you would have died if Runner hadn't have stopped you. He was trying to tell you that there was a problem because there was a major problem. So after that, you know, we have to, you have to work with them to kind of train them to, to alert the way you want them to alert and show you what to do. Um, Runner has saved Colton's life. I don't know how many times. Um, One night he wouldn't wake up. So Colton, I mean, a runner drug him out of the bed and dropped his meter on top of his head to wake him up. And um, uh, just a few months ago, um, I, I left to go to the eye doctor and um, my oldest, was home and said, I'm going to take me and Colton to go get some lunch. It's like, okay, y'all, that's fine. Y'all go do that. Well, um, Colton wears a Dexcom on his arm, which reads his blood sugar levels. Uh, runner can be up to an hour faster than the meter and the Dexcom. So a lot of times runners alerting, but he's not to the point yet, but he's always right. But he was kind of going low with his Dexcom and I told him, I said, you need to drink some juice or eat some Skittles, whatever. And he was like, okay. I said, and check your levels. Cause they had just gotten back from lunch and my son had to run, get something or do something real quick. He said, I'm 34. It's like, Oh my Lord, Colton drink your juice. Well, I never heard back from him. I kept calling. I kept texting. I thought I was fixing to have to call the police. Um, because he's not answering me. Uh, my oldest is a police officer. So I thought if anybody can speed, it's going to be him to get back home to check on him. I'm calling and calling. The last I heard from him, he's 34. And I finally get him to call. He finally calls me back and he said, I'm okay. I'm, I'm 60 now. I said, what happened? He said, I fell asleep. I said, Colton, you, you cannot fall asleep. You know better than that. He said, Mom, I was just so low. I, I just couldn't help it. I said, well, how did you wake up? He said, runner just pounced on my face and, wow. and woke me up enough so I could get some juice. And that is how important these service dogs are to these kids, adults with 
this disability. Um, we don't allow Colton to say disability, so just don't tell him I said that. <laughs> um, but one thing with type one is it does not really care who you are, um, how much money you have, how little money you have, red, yellow, black, white. It it does not matter. Um, Colton is very active. He's a starter on his varsity football team. He is also in the fire explorer program here in our town. He wants to be a fireman. Um, we will not allow this to stop him. Um, I always say Runner and I are working our tails off to keep him doing what he wants to do because just because T1 is in our life, we are not in T1's life. It doesn't rule us. We tell it what it's doing. Um, I we're just not going to let let it, you know. You can sit at home and whine and cry about it and not do anything, or you can continue living your life. And um, we want to show others that just because you have this disease doesn't mean your life is over. You can continue doing what you want to do. When we, every time we go to the doctor's office for any reason, sick, well, whatever, I always hear the doctor as we're leaving. Have you ever seen a type one teenager that's healthy looking and is in physical shape? Is that one? And that makes me feel good <laughs> because we don't let him use it as a crutch. We don't, we just hate this disease. <laughs> And we were told when we were in the hospital that 44 kids a day are diagnosed. Whoa. Yeah. 44 kids a day. Wow. That's crazy. And that was five years ago. So hmm. I hope it hasn't changed. I feel like I heard a story about like Runner. Let's see. Colton was out fishing and Runner was not even with them, but Runner alerted you. Um. Yes, runner <clears throat> Colton has been up to two hours away, mm -hmm. and he will start alerting me, and I will call Colton, and he is spot on. Wow. Dexcom will say something else, wow. but uh, runner when runner says or starts pitching a bit, he means it. And um, like yesterday, Colton was it? I don't know where he was, but he um, I taught runner to bring us. We call it a bringsel. We put it on the uh, hanging from the cabinet drawer, and it's kind of like a fire hose type thing. And he'll bring it to me if there's a problem. And sometimes he will sling it at me if I'm not paying attention. <laughs> um, I mean, this dog, I'm just glad he can't talk. <laughs> Imagine what he could say. <laughs> I don't want him to say anything to me because it's probably not going to be nice. Because he gets mad if we don't, he thinks his level should be fixed immediately. Mm. Um, and he will let me know repeatedly that they are not fixing fast enough. Um, but he's always right. And I, I, I forgot to say was when Colton was diagnosed, they told us he was born with it. It's been dormant. Um, and it was going to wake up at some point in his life. And I kept telling him, we'll put it back to sleep. <laughs> they I asked him well I'm like look it woke up knock it back out <laughs> they um I asked them I said how does this happen they said well it could be hereditary which is not in our family 
um, trauma. They're not 100% sure how it all wakes up and stuff, but trauma can be one, um, a severe illness or hormones and puberty. Well, back in January, Colton and his brother were out playing with hatchets in the woods and Colton's fingers somehow managed to get hit by a hatchet and uh, ended up with 13 stitches and two fingers. So if we look back at pictures, that's when he goes downhill from that um, incident to March 31st. And uh, I asked the doctor, I said, so it, um, it was good that I brought him in. He said he, with his levels, he would have been in a coma within a week or less. Um, so always trust your mom guts mm-hmm. that yeah. something is not right. Take, I'd rather hear he's completely fine than the alternative. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Remind me how old he was when he got diagnosed. He was 11. 11. And now he's. Did you say he's 17. 17? Okay. And how has he handled all of this? Like getting the diagnosis, what did he understand about it? Was he scared? <laughs> he was so cute. Um, Cause honestly, all we knew, and this is sad, but the only thing we knew about the word diabetes was the commercials for foot pain. Oh yeah. And so he burst into tears when the doctor left. I was like, baby, it's okay. You know, what's, you know, what are you thinking? He was like, I don't want foot pain. <laughs> and so I couldn't help but try. I'm like, baby, that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> We're not going to let you have foot pain. And one of the most irritating things for us is type one diabetes is different than type two. And I wish with all my heart, they would change one of them, the names um, because they're two different things. And people, we have, we have had doctors to like, if um, for instance, I took my oldest and Colton to the urgent care one Saturday cause they were, both had colds and the doctor actually looked me in the eye and told me that we did not need to use insulin as a crutch that if he would to, work out and be and eat only vegetables he would be just fine it would never have to have insulin and I'm like uh we have to go because I'm not listening to this because his pancreas no longer produces insulin and you have to have insulin or you will die yeah um Colton is the most physically fit kid on his football team he's the most physically I mean he is nothing but muscle and there's no, I mean, it just floored me so much that I was like, we're leaving because I, I don't trust anything you have to say now. If you don't know that if you as a doctor don't know what the difference is, then we're leaving. Well, and they say too, like when you get diagnosed with a disease like that, you become the one who kind of does some of the educating sometimes to the medical field. Oh Yes. So, and you yes. sound like you, yeah, you've obviously learned so much and, and you kind of have to, you're your child's advocate, right? You know, yep. so. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And this, it consumes your mind 24 seven, seven days a week. You never, ever get a break. Even if I was to go out with friends, I'm still constantly, you know, looking at the Dexcom to mm-hmm. see his levels or what's his levels, 
Mm-hmm. Is he okay? You need a carb. You need to, you know, correction. You need to this. You need to do that. It's, you don't get a break. Um, you were asking about how he's doing. When we came home from the hospital, he got upset and cried because um, I think it finally hit him that all that crap had to come home with us. Um, and so he got upset and we talked to him about it, that, you know, we're all in this. He's not alone. Um, and to just, like we told the other two, just give us a few days to get in a routine and it'll get back to, nor- you know, as normal as we can. And ever since then, honestly, he's been fine. He's had a few days where he's just fed up with it. He's sick of carbon. He's sick of pricking his finger. He's sick of, you know, doing it. And I don't blame him. I would too. Um, but then he's fine the next day. And, um, he jokes around with it. Some of the football team kids, his friends, you know, pick at him and he goes right back with them and he that doesn't bother him and he's not ashamed of it he has no problems he goes and works out at a gym and he'll wear a tank top and his um side dexcom will be showing and he's like it's a conversation piece to let others know that hey i have this but i'm here at the gym working out or i'm at the football field playing a football game or i'm a firefighter that's awesome. He handles it a lot better than I do. <laughs> I'm sure it's hard as a parent, though. I mean, he handles it better, but you don't because you're the one that's like double checking and always, like you said, you constantly worry. You can't just go to bed and not think about it or be out with friends and not think about it. You know, that mama heart is definitely always there. <laughs> yes, I've already decided I probably have to go to college and his honeymoon. <laughs> you're gonna have to keep us updated on how that goes for him <laughs> yeah i've already been told no oh <laughs> i'm like well oh, that poor awesome. girl right i love it um so charlie's episode is coming out previous to yours will you tell tell everyone how you are associated with uh the talkie foundation uh we met through instagram because we have a runner page on Instagram just to kind of bring awareness to service dogs and uh, T1D. And we met that way and he had messaged and, you know, we do nothing but preach to the kids about you do not talk to strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here we were messaging back and forth with him. Um, and then we just kept talking more and he was talking to Colton. And then we went to the first um savannah or the jekyll island meeting the very first one and got to know him and meet him and became really good friends he's like part of our family now which is so unlike us to just go to this place to meet new people in another state that we've never met and um so i'm kind of like the mom i guess you could say I, you know, fuss at Charlie about taking care of himself or you need to tell your doctor this or you need to ask them this because they don't, they haven't told him as much before. Um, so I'm guess you could call me the mom of the group. I feel like I've heard that actually. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. I'm the worrier of the group. <laughs> Somebody I've needs to be mom, though. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Someone needs everybody. to be. <laughs> Well, just me, that's fine. (laughs) So how do you think that you have been making lemonade out of this lemon? Um, 
we don't really know why God allowed all this to happen to us, but we're not going to stay in bed and let the devil win. We're going to move forward. We're going to not let it stop us. We've met new friends that we would have never had. We have a dog that's incredible. Um, And we're just going to keep going and we're not letting it win. We will, we tell T1 what it can do. It doesn't tell us what we can do. Absolutely. Uh, And Colton, I asked Colton what he would say to this. And he says, you can't let one bad lemon ruin the bunch. Oh, I love that. Yes. (laughs) Good job, Colton. I love it. I know. I was proud of that one. The first one I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) But then when he uh, sat there and thought a minute, he was like, you just can't let one bad lemon ruin the bunch. Mm. And I wish I had his attitude a lot of times. I feel like our kids are always the ones that teach us so much. Mm -hmm. So what an outlook to have. Mm -hmm. Well, we've loved talking with you and just hearing your experience. Um, Thank you so much for sharing with us. You're welcome. And any questions I don't mind answering, we want people to know about this disease and the real service dogs out there. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to leave us a rate and review wherever you are listening. You can also email us at makinglemonadepodcast1 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at makinglemonade.podcast or Facebook at makinglemonade with wit and kills. You can also find out more about my foundation, Bane's Legacy at Facebook and Instagram at Bane's Legacy and www.baneslegacy.com. And you can find out more about my foundation. You can find us on social media at TTTuff and our website is tttuff.org.